Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney, your host. Alongside the boys, McLean, Jay, and Tom, we are coming to you on Master Sunday, recording this episode just a little early so we can have kind of live instant reaction to the tradition like any other. The Masters Tournament just finished up a little while ago. Hideki Matsuyama is your winner at 10 under par. Frankly, I thought it was a little boring today, boys. I uh, I was really, really excited, right? This is like our biggest holiday as golf fans, Masters Sunday. So in front of the TV, left work early, started the foundry, uh, left work early, and it just didn't live up to the hype. You know, started the day with a four-stroke lead. You were hoping one of the guys at seven under was going to make a little bit of a charge on the front nine or Hideki would, you know, stumble a little bit, which he did right off the bat. That first tee shot, I was like, ooh, maybe we, we have something here. But, you know, he played pretty solid. It got close there for a second. Um, but eventually he kind of spread the league and we can talk about, you know, some of the details of when Zalatoris got close and Xander got close, but, uh, gents, what's your overall takeaway from Hideki's win? Don't all go at once. guys. Okay. I'll go. Um, so yeah, I, I agree completely. Mikey, it was, uh, it was, I don't say it was like anticlimactic, but cause there were moments that you thought every time you felt like, okay, here we go. It might get a little closer. It didn't, um, but you got to give Hideki props, man. The dude's a stud. We've all known. If, if, if you follow golf, you know his name. And what I think the coolest part to me was that, you know, he is a product of Augusta National, meaning, you know, the Asian Pacific Amateur is what got him into the Masters in, what, 10 years ago, right? So yeah, does 11. He was low M. Yeah, which is really cool. So, um, you know, who knows if he would be here without that. So, uh, so no, I think a cool story, not, you know, not what maybe everybody was drawing up. It didn't have that typical Sunday back nine Augusta feel, but it did a little bit. I think so. I think, uh, you know, and we'll I don't think back- it was, I don't think it was Hideki's fault. I think it was no, the guys behind no. him just making bogeys and no one making a charge. Exactly. Um, it was like, I was hoping for one or two guys and Zalatoris made a little bit. He made a few birdies, got a couple under for the day, but you know, for, for me, for Hideki, what surprised me is we always known he's an unbelievable ball striker, right? The guy is one of the top iron players in the world, hits these high towering, just hammers it. I didn't realize how good his chipping was. You know, we always, always kind of known his, his putting was kind of bad. He was a great iron player. He hit some unbelievable pitch shots and chip shots around these greens this weekend. I don't think he knew how good his chipping was. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I mean, guys, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. I mean, we could say that it wasn't as exciting as we would have liked, which is probably a true statement. But at the same time, for a player that has been flirting with success for a long time, and granted, he's had success. Maybe success isn't the right way to look at it, but major success. Um, you know, We saw a great player in the game of golf get over the hump today. And while, again, it wasn't the most you know, climactic ending to a golf tournament, Xander did a lot to put it back in there. And and quite frankly, Hideki tried giving it to him. If Xander doesn't falter there on 16 and hit it in the water, uh, we have a totally different feeling coming down those last two holes. Um, Zalatoris, even at nine under, I mean, it ended up being a one-shot win. But even on the last hole, you always, I don't know, maybe I always felt like Hideki was going to falter a little more than he did. Kudos for not doing so, for ultimately getting it, getting it done, avoiding that big number uh, throughout the day. And, 
doing what he had to do to win the tournament. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a, a, a huge win for not only Hideki, congratulations to Japan being the, the first winner to be, uh, <laughs> to be that's amazing, a, man. Japanese player. I mean, that's fantastic. And especially, and I believe the Augusta national women's amateur was also of Japanese descent. Is that correct? So what yeah, an incredible two weeks that, at Augusta. Yeah. He said that was kind of an inspiration to him that he kind of drew from, um, I, I, pardon me, but I forget her name, that 17 year old that won the playoff at, uh, the Augusta national women's amateur last weekend, but yeah, Japanese. And he was like, I'm determined to do, you know, the double, double win. Well, congrats to them. I mean, they're a golf crazed nation. Um, I love their culture. I love uh, a lot about the Japanese people. I worked for a Japanese company one time. And at the end of the day, I think it's a, a big win for them. It's going to be something that I guarantee they will be celebrating long uh, throughout today and into the night tonight. Um, and ultimately, what they're doing over there is good for the game of golf. And uh, it's, it's nice to see uh, when golf can stretch globally. Uh, I think it's good for everyone. Jay, what's your take? Yeah, I mean, I, I was, I really like Adeki. Uh, he's an incredible player. Obviously, you touched on all all the things that he does well. Great iron player, great driver. Um, he's always been a little spotty with chipping and putting, but I mean, since he came on the scene as an amateur, he was always a force to be reckoned with. So, I think I, I'm not going to lie. I think a little bit of the American media and the 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 way that we handle, you know, maybe stars outside of our country that don't speak English. I think that we don't give them enough credit. I, I wish that he he did speak a little bit more English and I'm not just selfishly, not because he should. I'm just, I wish that he did so I could learn more about him and get more uh, insight on him and his thoughts and what he's doing. Because I, I know that he's got a translator there and, and this gentleman does a good job. Um, but I think the the one thing that I take away from Hideki is like, uh, honor, like everything that he does, he does it with honor. And I know the Asian culture, and I don't want to speak for all of them. I, I one of my roommates was was from Korea, uh, Charles Hong. Shout out, Charles. And, yeah, and when I was in college, and one of the most genuinely nice, honorable men that I've ever met. Like everything that he did, he did it with a purpose, and he wasn't afraid to say that he messed up. He wasn't afraid to say that he was nervous and he wasn't afraid to say he was scared or in certain situations. And I feel like Hideki is exactly that way. Um, and, you know, even today he was talking about, I think Jim Nance asked him when he started to get nervous, he said, I got nervous before I teed off, you know um, again, but that was through a translator. So I wish there was a way to, I wish, I wish he was, I wish we had a, a better way to communicate with him because I think we could learn more about how incredible this guy and his journey is. I mean, he's still a young guy and how great of a player he is. Because again, when we watch these tournaments, and I know we said this was a little bit of a lackluster Masters, and the only, I shouldn't say the only reason, but one of the reasons I feel like it was a lackluster Masters is because we don't know enough about Hideki. Had we known more about his history and what he did to get to this point, it, and as, you know, as spectators, we would latch onto that and we'd be like, wow, that's an incredible story. He worked from this point to get to here. And I think that would, that would go a long way. And again, I'm just wishful thinking and it's definitely not Hideki. It's, it's probably a, a, a me problem. Uh, maybe I should learn Japanese so I can understand more about him, but I wish there was a, the communication barrier wasn't there is basically what I'm saying. Cause I think we would learn more about how incredible of a player and a human. This guy is he's, he's, pretty everyone that i've talked to said that he's 
one of the most genuinely nice guys there is and an, obviously an incredible golfer. No, I mean, and that's a great point, Jay. And I'm just looking at the leaderboard and, and, you know, we can get into this more in a minute, but so, you know, we feel what we said, like it's, this masters didn't maybe have the pop and I'm sure that, you know, a lot of people feel that way, but I'm looking at the leaderboard and all right. So there's some big, you know, Jordan Spieth, uh, Xander Schauffele, John Rahm, Justin Rose, Patrick Reed, like there's names, but, but like, or so what was it? Was it the fact that Dustin Johnson wasn't there? Roy McIlroy wasn't there. Tiger Woods wasn't there. Like, does that affect the overall feel of the masters? And, and if we say no, then we're lying to ourselves. Right. Um, well, so for me, you know, so the Hideki thing, going back to Jay's point with the, with the translator, you just don't, you don't know his personality. Yeah. Right. It's you don't just see the emotion, see. right? The emotion. It's hard to see emotion or just even the personality in, in an interview you can, you can pick up. I mean, all these guys have, have different ticks or personalities and, you know, Brooks is a hard O and, Dustin doesn't know where the hell he is. And Let's talk about whatever. Brooks in a minute. We'll get on that yeah. that that yeah. guy. But, you know, for me, it wasn't so much about the names because there were some interesting guys that I was, you know, rooting for, pulling for. And I, I didn't I didn't mind Hideki winning. I just wish more guys were in the mix, right? Remember when Tiger won a couple of years ago? Obviously, it was Tiger Woods, right? So that isn't – you can't compare Tiger winning Augusta to anyone else. But at one point, you thought there was six guys that could win that tournament on the back nine in 2019. Right. And then in November, when Dustin won, it was a runaway. It was kind of boring. And then it was like, all right, well, there's maybe Zalatoris can win this on the back. And then Xander made a little charge. Okay. Maybe Xander can do it. But it was like three guys that had the potential to win this thing. And that's what I didn't really care who won. I mean, you know, my picks and pools and gambling um, had a factor of who I was rooting for. But I, I didn't really dislike anyone that was up there and was fine with any of them winning. It was just more for me the entertainment value of, the suspense and you know, what's going to happen. It just seemed like, okay, unless he completely shits the bed, this is his, it was inevitable that he was going to win. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, but let's, 100%. let's, I want your opinion on, let's go to 15, right? So he's got a four shot lead over Xander. I think Zalator was at eight, right? So Hideki's at 13, Xander's at nine. They're both in the fairway. Hideki's hitting first and he chooses to go for it and flies the green with adrenaline, and it goes in the water on 16. Xander's kind of behind the trees, having to hit a big sweeping hook. Shouldn't he just, shouldn't Hideki have just laid up? Hideki or Xander? Hideki. Nah. That, that, that third shot on 15. Well, no, see, they, they say everyone. That third shot is like I'm this. never, I'm never, yeah, exactly right, Tom. I've never, I've never played this course, but everybody always comments on how impossible this this third shot is at 15 you're you're laying up super tight rye in early spring and on a downslope when you have you can land it in like a five foot area they, they always say you're better off just going for it if you hit in the water and the, the worst place to hit it is short if you hit it long you, you you know you can pitch something up you know close to the green and make and give up give, give it a good chance to make your par so the odds are and the percentages are with you to go for it on 15 if you have an iron you know in play i mean i know there's some years where it's been wet into the wind guys have three woods and they lay up but if you've got an iron in your hand on that hole they say the percentages you know are, are with you to go for it and 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 if anything hit it long um that's your best miss. And he did. I mean, he, he, I don't know if it was a little bit of a wind gust. Something was a little off, but he definitely carried about 10 yards further than he wanted to. But 
And yeah, I mean, I can, I can see, I can see that completely. But you did also see some guys pitch it back in the water from behind the green totally, earlier sure. in the week, and 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 it leads that like that that mindset shifts a little bit. I feel like with how, what is your lead, right? You know, one shot, two shots, or before shots. You know, that's that's a different ball game, and that's yeah. um, you know, that that's what's so beautiful about our our the game of golf, right? And in these scenarios, is like there is no perfect recipe. Um, that'll get you to the finish line. I mean, you've got to kind of go with what you got. We have a previous guest that, you know, knows us all very well that um, had a little, you know, had a lead coming in that hole and was um, stuck to his guns and hit it in the water and didn't work out for him. So, yeah, it can go both both ways. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right, Tom. I mean, there's a lot of ways to, to play it, but I think, you know, in my opinion, the only time you really alter your game plan is if it's if it's like like you said, Tom. If you've got a massive lead and you know you can get away from get away with playing really really conservative, but if you only a couple shot lead, you have to stick to your game plan and play your your golf because you never know when someone's going to hole out. You know, especially sixteen. I mean, I know that's a par three, but. The way that pin is, I mean, guys throw it up on that hill and bring it back down. And plenty of people make hole in ones on that hole. So I'm just saying anything can happen on 16, 17, 18. You can't rely on the fact that, oh, if I just make my par, you know, hit down here and give myself a 10 footer for, for birdie, you have to stick to stick to your game plan. And especially with, with Hideki hitting it in play, having an iron in his hand, he's like, I gotta go for this. You know, I've got Yeah, but if if you do make par. And again, I think you're probably right, Jay. But just playing devil's advocate, if you do make par, you're you're then forcing Xander to make a hole one to sure. try to hook it around the trees and make an eagle on 15, right? Because he was hitting first. Yeah. No. No. Right. Question. But but I'm saying you don't. If there's guys in the other groups that are not watching you, they're going to play their game. You're going to play yours, and there, there's not a lot of it, it's still you're still four holes or three holes away from finishing the tournament. So it's not necessarily. And depending on the situation, how many guys are in play, it's not necessarily just a match play format with the guy in your group. You know, you got to stick. I think that that happens on maybe 17, 18, when you're like, okay, there's only two guys on the golf course. And this is the, these, this is the score I have to beat. That's when you can really say, I've got a three shot lead. Let me hit my three wood off 18. Let me hit my five iron into the green and let me chip it on, chip it up and two putt for my bogey and win by two or three that, you know, that's when you can really, you know, lay back, so to speak, but that's a, that's a sneaky, there's something mentally about like when you know there's a score to beat and then you, you start backpedaling like that, it will bite you so quickly. It's like, you have to stay aggressive. Even if you have to make an aggressive swing with the club or the game plan that you want to, you want to choose, if that makes sense. Like when you start changing your game plan and and start backtracking and tiptoeing backwards, you get passive and you make bad golf swings. And before you know it, you're like, all I had to do is make a par and I made a triple and I lost yeah. by one, you know, <laughs> you're hundred percent right. Exactly. Right. And I, on that note, and we can get into it later, but like 17, and 18, in my opinion, they have no teeth anymore. And that's 17 with, you know, when the Eisenhower, Eisenhower, what, what was it? A pine? It wasn't a pine. Eisenhower tree was the, yeah. whatever it is. Um, but also guys in the day hit, we were hitting driver, you know, seven iron. Now these guys are flipping wedges into 17 and 18. And it was, um, yeah. and look again, you know, this is the game of golf. This is the bigger picture. Right. But, um, it used to be, if you, you had a two shot lead stand on 17 T, you know, you had some work to do. 
But now I felt like when he hit that great drive on 17, it was over. Yeah. So 18, let's go. 18's still, 18's still tough. Um, yeah, that's a tough drive. Once you get past the drive, it's it's not that hard. Yeah. Um, but so let's go to 16, right? So Xander makes birdie, hits a great bunker shot, almost holds it on 15. Hideki limits the damage, makes bogey on 15, four-shot lead down to two. A hell of a bogey, too, by the way, right? It was. It was a great Absolutely. bogey. Right? He could easily have made double there. Um, I thought Xander's ball was going in uh, from that, that bunker shot. But yeah. so then we get to 16. Xander's got a little momentum, two-shot lead with that funnel pin on 16, and he rinses it. I mean, I... I it was almost unspeakable. I was shocked when that golf ball went in the water because that flag, you hit it 10 yards past. I think I texted you guys. Hit it 10 yards past, and that ball's coming back. It might go right? in. So, it might go in. It's got a chance of going in. If you land it 10 yards past the flag, it's coming back. It, it might go in. You might have a, a six-inch putt. You're going to have under 10 feet, most likely. Well, and it was playing, if I'm not mistaken, they said it was playing 181, and he was hitting a an eight iron. And I know Xander is a long player, and I think he was just feeling a little juiced on it. I mean, an eight iron for him. I mean, he's he's not a he's not a Bryson. He's not a DJ. He, he's a mid length player that has some speed. Um, but I I feel like he was feeling a little bit juiced, and he, I don't think he had enough club there because you're right, the miss is long right there. I know you feel like you've got to make birdie and you've got to try to push, but long story short. I think he was feeling a little bit too much adrenaline or he thought that there was more there that he could juice that eight iron and get it all the way there. But as we all know, when you're trying to max out, if you don't hit it dead nuts, perfect. Well, yeah, he had to miss hit that. He had to a little bit without question, but I think, I think he was hitting that eight iron at max yardage 181 for him. I mean, we're talking, he's going to land that at 177 and think you give it about a, a three to five yard check. 177 carrying an eight iron. I'm not saying he can't do it, but that's that's still a you. That's, that's a. I think that's yeah. a 100 percent pure strike for him. Yeah. Have Which, you ever seen anybody hitting that bunker left on 16? The, yeah, yeah, not very often. You're right. It's either I usually. I, I, I mean, mo- most people don't hit it left. Everyone bails out right because you have such a big slope. So that but that, but that, that bunker shot left probably the easiest bunker shot you ever hit in your life. Yeah, but it's, flip it out and it'll come back. You know, right I think you're right, Jay. You're right, but I'm just, I just, I'm looking at a whole, the, the whole uh, image of the of 16 right now, and I'm like, I almost forgot there was a bunker there. Yeah, I thought when he first, when he first hit it, I thought he, had, I thought he had gotten to the bunker, but it, it obviously didn't. But not even close. You know, just you, get, you guys, you're, you're right. I mean, there's no way he, he definitely mishit it or he over, overcooked it, turned it over too much because. He's got so much room to the right. There's no reason for him to have missed it kind of short left. So he he obviously mishit it. And I don't know I mean, whether he wants to admit that or not. That's fine. But it, it it definitely, if he doesn't admit that, then I think the next question would be, why the hell were you aiming right at the pin, you know, with yeah. an eight iron in your hand and knowing that you've got that much slope where you can funnel the ball down. It's, you know, it's like a big funnel. So, you know, needless to say, we kind of we were. I know we were chatting. You know, it seems like you know he is following suit with uh, with our our buddy Tony, and he's just he's such a stud at, at the majors, and he always is in the mix. He just hasn't found a way to you know finish the deal. And I, 
I still think that he and Tony, both of these guys are, are great players. And I think that they will do it. You don't put yourself in contention that often and, and, and not get it done. So I think they, who wins a major will. first, who wins a major first, Tony or Xander. And we're, I mean, and we're, I think it's, we're I think betting, it's, we're betting a tattoo Xander. on this. We're going to bet a tattoo. I mean, I'll take Xander. They're both the same. So when we were texting, you had said after that ball went in the water, he just doesn't have it. What, what exactly did you mean by that? You know, it doesn't mean that I don't want him to have it, but it just seems like he seems to kind of falter at the end of these majors. He puts himself, he puts himself in contention major after major after major. So he obviously has the knack to rise to the occasion. Um, but you got to finish it off. Um, so when I say he doesn't have it, I mean, he doesn't have it yet. Like he just doesn't have it yet. Um, I should have, I should have clarified, but I do think he'll probably do it, but he just can't seem to understand the situation. And, And again, like we were talking about, you're, you're two shots back. You've got a par three, 181 yards. It's either, it should be probably a smooth seven iron, but he tried to hit an eight iron. You've got all the room right. You know, just whatever you do, don't hit the damn ball left. You know, you've got no shot in the water, but if you bail out a little right and hit the slope, it could come down. You have a chance. If it stays up, it stays up, but don't miss it left and make a double, you know, that you're taking yourself out. So, and, and I'm, you know, I'm not being, I don't want to be too critical because guys, and he finishes in the top 10 of, of every major every year. So he just, well, no, but that, that, this yeah. is, this is what we do now, right? Yeah. Um, he just I mean, doesn't if, have it. He just doesn't have it figured out quite yet. But again, I, I, the same thing that I said about Tony. Yes. And when, when Curtis was on, he talked about that. You know, there's something to be said for guys who know it, know how to win. And I 100% agree with him. There are guys who just innately know how to win. But there are other guys who constantly put themselves in contention and they just haven't figured it out yet. And I will I will take the guy who always puts himself in the mix over and over because, <laughs> you know, by the odds are odds are saying that eventually he's going to figure it out and he's going to win a couple. Um, so I think both of those guys will win a couple majors. Um, they just haven't quite figured it all out yet, like the the, the timing of it. He made a double so, and a triple today and lost by three. Like uh, exactly. I mean, he like give him, you know, he he made the double and he fought his way back. And that's like when I make a double and triple, I'm shooting 84. Like he shot even par. Like that was it's impressive. You know, he's gonna lay in bed tonight thinking, man, I, oh, yeah. like this could have been mine, but it never really felt like it was in his defense. So I don't know. That that's the best part about, you know having these conversations after the masters of the U S open and these big events is that it's not only about the guy that won, but like, what are those little things that the guys that finished one shot back, two shot back, three shots back, you know, what, what could have gone their way. And, um, you know, that's that gives us something to talk about. Xander or Tony next five years. Who are you taking? Xander. <laughs> Xander. Dino. I knew you had to take Fino. Okay, here we're going to do this. Five years from now. I I love Fino, but I I mean, straight up. I like both of these guys. I I really think they're both. And I actually love Xander. Um, We're going to bet on it. And the loser has. So you take take Tony, Jay. And if it ends up being Xander, you got to get an X tattooed on your ankle. (laughs) And I'm taking Xander. And if it's Tony, I got to get a T tattooed on my ankle. (laughs) 
Okay. So wait, I love it. I'm in. I'm in for you guys. If Xander wins, I have to get an X tattooed on my. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's cool. What what is is the what is the measurement of success? Are we talking dollars? Talking a major. We might have to offline this one, Jay, because this is getting kind of serious. <laughs> Official World Golf ranking. I mean, we got a couple I, different. No, 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 no. I mean, nothing to do with. It's got to be wins, right? These two guys need wins. Now, Xander has more than Tony. Way more. How many? What's, how many does Xander have? I think well, it's. What do you argue? What do you argue is more success? Is it not dollars earned, or is it number of wins, or is it number of majors? I mean, Xander's higher in the world ranking, so. I think dollars earned is the best metric of success. The higher purses wow. are at the better at the larger events. You're playing better. I'm sorry, the they're event. here for wins, boys. They're here for wins, not dollars. They've already made a lot. Well, yes, yeah, true. And they're here right. for majors more than other wins. I'm not getting a tattoo, so we can just pretend like this is going to happen. But I'm not getting a tattoo. I'm scared of needing. So, does anybody know how many how many top tens Xander's had at the majors? He's obviously got four wins, but how many top tens does he have in major tournaments? It's got to be six or seven, I think. Yeah, it's, right? it's up there. It's it's pretty I mean, good. I know he has uh, eight T2 finishes uh, since his last win. What well, sounds like Tony. But that's not just majors. That, that is correct, Jay. That's, that's not just majors. Well, I know he's finished at the he's finished in the top ten in the Masters at least twice. I, mean, I think it's three times. Yeah. Uh, the open championship, he's got a T2, which I think he had another top 10 there. And then the U S open, he's got a T3. Um, and then the PJ championship, he's finishing the top 10 of each major championship. Um, and I think he's, I think he's almost doubled all of those. So it's, it's gotta be six to eight that he's right. finished. It's, and, yeah. and, and I don't know it? what, I don't know what Tony's, you know, top, I know to, Tony's a top. I, 10 I would take. To answer my own question, I would take Xander in that equation just because I think Tony's putting is so bad. Yeah, I I'm, I, I, agree. I agree. I mean, I, I, I've I said that I I, saw, I saw him make – I guess putting. it was in the early coverage Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which day. He had two, you know, putts inside six feet. Oh, man, it was hard to watch his stroke. It was ugly. It was – like barely got to the hole on a downhill six footer. It's, it's almost like he almost missed the putter. Like it was like, I don't know. It was, it was bad. So that's why I, I, I lean Xander because he's a way better yeah. putter. But um, it, again, to the point that we talked about throughout this week, I mean, we've gone over this, you know, especially this tournament, you know, the masters, you know, what, what is rewarded here? Who wins here? It's T to green strokes gain T to green. The guys who drive it long, drive it straight. They're great iron players have control over the ball. They can, they can place balls in the proper quadrants in these greens and give themselves makeable putts, not only makeable putts, but makeable two putts. And you look at the list of guys who have won in the last 10 or 15 years, Bubba Watson wins twice. Uh, Sergio Garcia wins. Adam Scott wins. Um, you know, it, even I, Tiger, you can't put in that scenario because he's a great putter. Patrick Reed's a great putter, but uh, you go down the list of these guys who have won here in the past, and typically these guys are great ball strikers, great iron players, below average putters. Dustin Bernhard Johnson. Langer, Bernhard Langer was a- Bernhard, Bernhard Langer won twice. Dustin Johnson just won this fall. I mean, these guys are these guys are on the bottom half of putting stats, strokes gained. So there's something to be said for that. I mean, and again, 
Yeah, I'm but not, I'm not I'm talking not, about the master specifically with the Xander and Tony thing. I'm just yeah, talking about but I'm just saying how wise the next five years who you had taken. Yeah, sure, sure. No question. You need to be able to putt. There's no there's no doubt about it. But I mean, as far as Tony hits it and and as many times as he gets a chance to play here now, I think this is maybe his fourth or fifth masters. The more times he plays there, as long as he hits it, um he's gonna continue to be in the mix. Finish the top ten again this week. I mean, another top ten. Count it. Did he really backdoor his way into yeah. a top ten? Finished. I, I knew finished, he would. I think he finished ninth. So, um, yeah. I mean, and the putting. You, you know, you need to. You need to. T ten. But T ten. Yeah, T ten. There you go. Yeah, I'm just. I, I speaking of T ten. I just want a quick shout out to myself. My picks were fucking money this weekend, guys. <laughs> I just want to say, I had they six guys great, in yeah. the top eighteen. All six guys were the top eighteen. So that's pretty good. Um, Hey, speaking of one of your picks, I mean, a guy who I think is putting together a resume for a horse for a course argument in the few years uh, that he's been playing it is Cameron Smith. The yeah. guy knows yeah, what it in, takes to get around Augusta National, and he is um, continuously putting himself in contention in big-time events. So um, he, he, he kind of reminds me of uh, if he keeps going the way he is, he's going to be like a Ryan Palmer for Torrey Pines situation. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, it's like Leishman too. Leishman's always in contention. Yep, at absolutely. Um, let's let's kind of talk about some of the guys that. So we talked you know, Hideki. We talked Xander. Let's talk Zalatoris, right? Let's kind of get into some of the guys that were in contention. You know, Thank a lot was him. made of Zalatoris this weekend. I can't fucking count how many times it was talked that he wasn't even a member of the PGA Tour. Like, yeah, we get it. We get it. We understand. We all know. First of all, it's also obscene that he's not a member of the PGA Tour with what he's done over the last six months. That's another topic for another day. But um, he was impressive. Again, another unbelievable ball striker in not a very good putter. But um, again, and I can't, they, I think I heard him refer to as, you know, in Hollywood. Make, make Justin, Justin Thomas look overweight. I heard that comment like eight times in the last four days. What, do you, what does he weigh? What's all right right now? Everybody throw out a number, whoever's closest. Wins, um, wins one hundred fifty pounds. One forty six. Oh, one fifty two. Well, I gotta go like one fifty eight now. Is this like a Price Is Right? Where if I if it's over, I'm no, there's no way he's one fifty eight. With that yardage book in his back pocket. <laughs> My wife the other day it's, we're watching, and Katie's kind of you know she's looking, she's, she's on her phone. You know what? She finally goes. What the hell is in these guys' back pocket? I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, what is, what is that? And I was like, oh, that's the artist book. She's like, is it that big? Is it's, it like a, like a, she goes, is it like a trapper keeper? Like, well, she needs to watch you know, the LPJ tour because those girls, their back pockets are like two inches deep and they try to keep these eight inch yardage yeah. books. What does that say? I, I, that was going to say that. I didn't realize he was 6'2". Six, 6'2", two. Six, two, one. No way. He's not 6'2". He's not 6'2". 6'2", 165. So right, I he win. is a string bean. You do win, Tom. That is a Tom Strange. Come on down for uh, yeah moment of strength. Um, how do you how wow. how heavy do you think the bullfrog is? Oh, I bet he's like three fifty. <laughs> no, the bullfrog. The bullfrog no. got two two eighteen. His inseam over under over under two eighteen two o two two o two, and he's actually Not seven foot tall. No one knows it, but he's no out. way. Jason Pokrak is, like is six he's four. six four, guys. Come on. He's six four. He's a big fuck, dude. Right, big here, okay. Now a good good conversation. How no. many times could the bullfrog 
bench press Zalatoris. Uh, I don't know how strong he is upper body, but he's a big boy. No, he's it's, all the all the muscles upper body. We go, go the bullfrog. Go 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 his legs. We know he, if it was a if it was a leg press, he couldn't do it at all. We know this. <laughs> all right, six four. We Jay and I did nail the height. Um, Two twenty five. Ding 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 ding. Yeah, Jay Bird. No, he's an athlete. That's exactly right. Um, back to Zalatoris. Yeah, back to Zalatoris. Crack is a good was, athlete, by the way. He's a good athlete. He played. Oh, he he, he kind of does look like a like he could be sneaky. No, he, like he, he posts you up and dunk. Like, he, yeah, he played. He played high school basketball. He's a he's a good athlete. He might be my new favorite out there. Bullfrog. <laughs> the bullfrog. I love you, buddy. <laughs> Zalatoris. So they. So his nickname apparently is Hollywood. Um, that's what Patrick Reed calls him because he, you know, he's he's got that little swagger. And he, look, he's he's grown up. You know, grow, grow, grew up at Cal Club. Okay. Um, you know, if, if if any of us walked on Cal Club right now, you take 15 steps and they, you know, somebody would tackle you from behind a tree you didn't even know was there. Um, but anyway, <laughs> not if, but, or, not if I wear this v neck, but, but he's, yeah, yeah. He's, but he's a stud. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, we say, how, how did, you know, where did he come from? Well, people that say that do not have not been paying attention because, you know, all American awake, um, Went to Wake Forest coming out of Texas. I mean, he, he's a stud. He's got a lot of game. Um, I think he kind of caught lightning in the bottle this week. His putting stroke, I can't watch it. That little, little, right at the end, that little, the right finger, which is barely on it. Do y'all notice that? It has this little twitch. Yeah, I'm not a, not a huge fan. Uh, but, um, but anyway, good, good showing for Yeah, the, I mean, he won the, what, he won the U.S. US Junior AM. Um, when he was, he was a Walker Cup team member back in 17 with a couple of other guys on tour. And I thought I heard a story at some point over the weekend, like his, his first like freshman qualifier at Wake Forest, he went out and shot 64, 65 and beat everyone on the team by 10. Yeah. Pretty good. Like, oh shit. This guy's pretty good. That's good. I wonder how many qualifiers he had to partake in after that. Yeah, Probably. That was his last one. Probably last one. Yeah. <laughs> what size waist do you think that guy is? 26, 28. 20, 20. Yeah. Let's say 28. Exactly. I, worn, I, I don't think I've ever worn a 28 waist in my entire life i think even when i was like six i think my waist was like 32 <laughs> my four-year-old's closer to a 26 than i am <laughs> well that's, that's a whole different conversation yeah that's a <laughs> it goes to that self-discipline we were texting about non-existent <laughs> all right so but, all, right. all right but on Zalatoris, like seriously is this because he's played his ass off for a, a good stretch here is this a sign of things that come in all honesty, yes. or is this? Are we seeing yes. like a flash? You think he's going to be? We're going to hear that name for a long time. Oh, I mean, he's he's been in the top twenty in how many events in the last six months? I mean, well, I agree with a, you completely. Pretty he's steady now for for us for us we know Zalatorf's name right, but I think for a lot of you know the general quasi golfing public that watches the majors and the big events, they're just now hearing his name, and so yeah, they're like, oh wow, this kid's pretty good. Never heard of him before, but he's been on a steady rise now for. For quite a while, I think this is just just another kind of stepping stone to things to come. His, his, no, he his, absolutely has, but at, at the same time, I think there's a lot of well-versed golfers that were a little bit surprised to know that he qualified for the event. Um, I mean, I I'm well-versed in it. I, I definitely knew, know who Will Zalatoris is, but when I first saw it, I was a little surprised. Like, oh, I didn't realize he had he'd gotten in because he and finished started, T6 at the U.S. Open. Absolutely, you know, that, that didn't get him in. He's got so since that that's how he, T4. Since US Open's T4. Right. He got in because he's top US, 50 in the world now. Since that US Open, Mikey, to your point, I think he's got seven 
uh, top 20s since last year's U.S. Open. Seven top 20s and not a member of the tour. And then, and then I think 10 top 30s. So he's got like a 21st, 22nd, a 28th finish. So, I mean, the guy's – he's only missed one cut, and he missed the Sanderson Farms, which, hey, if you're going to miss a cut, miss that one. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I know we can. Uh, world ranking now. Let me – I mean, uh, that's a good question. I got it right here. As of as of probably before the Masters, it probably hasn't updated yet. But uh, like, what do you say? That's what he got in on, I thought. I thought uh, he, he was 52. He was 52. Well, then how did he get he in? Got in? He got in. He got in T6. He got in because of that T6. No, he's correct. But but um, he got or he got in for a finish at a major, whichever one it was. I do know that because I heard them say that. Um, but looking at some <clears> of his <throat> statistics real quick, just just to give you a quick rundown of his current statistics on the PGA Tour this year, this guy looks like an unbelievable stud. Strokes gained off the tee, twenty six. Strokes gained approach to the green, fifth. Strokes gained around the green, seventy fourth. Putting one hundred eight. That that kind of gives us what we already kind of knew strokes gained T to green fourth strokes gained total 12th scoring average 12th driving distance 18th driving accuracy 172 greens and regulation 27th and scrambling 94. So we, we can tell where those weaknesses are, but the fact that he's ranked that high in that many statistics is a testament to how good a golf the guy has been playing. And, and not only that, but the, st- the, the statistics that, most directly relate to money earned on the PJ tour strokes gain T to green strokes gain off the T strokes gain, you know, approach those, those two, that stat strokes gain T to green is the stat. If you pull that up, top 10 guys on the PJ tour strokes gain T to green. These are the guys who are in the pretty much in the top 10 on the money list. That's, that's, I mean, I, I understand that it's a broad category that encompasses a lot of, you know, a good portion of the game, uh, more than half, but more so than strokes gain, you know, putting more than strokes gain, like around the greens, it, it falls on the guys who are, are the best at tee to green. That's where you can create the biggest separation between your peers on the PGA tour on the PGA tour. I know Mike, we've talked about this with, you know, amateur golf and, you know, maybe single digit to 15 handicap. It's a little different. Uh, you have to focus a little bit more on the short game. That's where you can create an edge and, and get closer to par. But if you're trying to shoot under par consistently, it's strokes gain T to green, and which he does. And he's admitted they interviewed him and he was just like, Hey, I'm, a, I'm one of the best ball strikers out here. I feel like I belong. And he, he believes it and he's proven it. I mean, Mike, so, honestly, I, need what correct, I need to correct myself. I need to correct myself. He did get in on the top 50. I just looked at it. It is, it is top four of the U S open. I heard, I heard he got in on the, on, I'm going to blame television. I'm going to, blame faldo or someone on that i heard the um, same thing mike yeah i heard a couple times this weekend that it was his t6 finish at the us open that got him in it was his top 50 ranking that got him in so i'm gonna correct on that note there. though on that note only the top four from the us open getting the masters is bullshit yeah that's kind of absurd yeah it should be top 10 and but let's talk about do you think his experience caddying for happy gilmore helped him here at augusta this <laughs> i mean 100 percent. i mean question, talk about a ball yeah. striker right i mean strokes gain t to green happy gilmore was up there not yeah. a great putter right Again, not a great putter, but he hit it a mile. And I mean, he was Bryson before Bryson. So <laughs> I think that plays a huge factor in why Zalatoris was so successful. Agreed. Agreed. Well said. Well said. Great influence on a young career. <laughs> so let's let's talk about some of the big names or lack thereof big names. So we obviously we had we had Tom's boy Jordan Spieth was there. 
again late on uh, Masters Sunday, you know, kind of hanging around. He actually played a great back nine. I think he made, what, five birdies and seven holes, something like that. And, uh, or, yeah, going back to number nine, he made that crazy putt on nine and then birdied 10. He birdied 10 all four days, which is remarkable. That hole is first time it's ever top. happened. First time it's ever yes, happened. Yes, it is. So he was in contention. You know, everyone kind of got to Saturday. We're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a Thomas Spieth showdown this weekend. You know, Thomas gags it on 13 on Saturday, makes an eight somehow. And, but you look at DJ misses the cut. Brooks misses the cut. Rory misses the cut. You know, Rom didn't really, wasn't, no one knew what Rom was at until today when he went off and, and, you know, snuck into what top five finish. Fifth T five, six under lowest round of the day, complete backdoor finish. Now that he has perspective that he's a uh, new father, which I was sick of them saying, but, um, yeah, I guess, I guess some of the real big names were just kind of a letdown. Bryson, he sucks again. He was spitting on himself today, which I love seeing that. Yeah, I think we're seeing that. I, I and I, I'll just say it. I hope I, I, that we're seeing the end of this Bryson bullshit because he's acting like a buffoon out there. Obviously, it's not working. He's driving it in places that no one's ever seen a golf ball. Um, and you know, hey, good luck, Will's Alatoris, who, you know hits it pretty damn far who's doing it the opposite way, right? By, you know, lean and mean, whatever it might be. But, you know, he kicked your ass, Bryson. Now, if you guys were going to fight, you'd kill him, but you couldn't catch him either. So, you know, I think we're – well, and as Adam Scott alluded to it, I think everybody's kind of tired of this Bryson thing, and I know I am. Adam Scott said that? Oh, yeah. You didn't see the interview that I asked him. I saw it on one of the, oh, I love one of the interweb things. They were like, oh, you know, something about you know how far Bryson said. Adam Scott's like, well, first of all, like I don't, I don't think it's really as far. It's not that far. And then he says something about like, and you know, he's having a hard time finding it too, or something like that. So and I love like, it. Don't quote me, but you know, but quote. And his, quote and his extra khaki outfits, his monochromatic khaki. Adam Scott, look, we're gonna get to close here in a minute. Oh, okay, we'll get to close we here. Hold that. Yeah, let's. Yeah, we're gonna hold the close. Adam, Adam Scott did finish last. Of the people who made the cut. Very true. Actually, yeah. Sorry, I just quoted the guy that finished DFL. Okay, so. Hey, hey speaking, of a, speaking of a, we were talking about, you know, guys. What did he make? What did the last made? place check play It's $28,000. I happened to see a, a thing huh. today. It's, more, it's not an awful week if you had to do no. it, I guess. You know, it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> you get paid $28,000 to play Augusta all week. Not bad. Yeah, like I said, it's good work if you can get it. Shit. I mean, people would pay to play it, and you're going to get paid to play it. There's people uh, that would pay $28,000. Yeah, to I, I made $29,000. I would pay $28,000 to play that place. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of a, when we're talking about change, a guy who spent a lot of money today, uh, Francesco Molinari. Nine over yeah. 81 today from even par for the tournament to nine over. His Sundays are he's he, he just he's not having good Sundays. At just 69 three. yesterday. And he still uh, beat Adam Scott. Three under 300 today. He's top 10 yeah. in the Masters. Exactly. 300 today. Yeah. 69, 69, top 10. 69, right. 81, to like 253 or something. Mikey, make a note. We, that needs to be part. Like we need to have a bit every week. Who 52. on Sunday cost himself the most amount of money? Uh, he did today. He I mean, did. we know he, but I want to. What's that dollar amount? I bet it's pretty. He, you know, hundreds knows? of thousands. I would, I would bet oh, it's. Can you imagine? I would bet it's probably eighty to ninety grand. It's hard to. It's hard to do that. But like, let's say if you know. Yeah, it's harder to say shoot, what would he have shot, say, right? Shoot even. Just say all right. If you shoot even, 
I bet it's sixty-five thousand. If you're even par, you're t twenty-one. So if he shoots even, he finishes even par at t twenty-one, which I would bet play pay somewhere in the neighborhood of eighty eighty thousand. And what does t twenty-one plays eighty thousand? Maybe t twenty-one's got to play two hundred eighty thousand. I think is what you meant. No, oh, I know. no way, not t twenty-one. I think eighty is probably somewhere in that ballpark. At a major, anyone can anyone can anyone get us some data on that? Yeah, hold please. We'll check it right here. We'll God, if we only. I thought we used to have a stat guy. Okay, yeah, when, when Mike. Well, All right, Mike, so are you ready? All right, T twenty one, T twenty one. Harris English, Shane Lowry, Phil Mickelson, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland. They made a uh, hundred and nineteen thousand. You're close. Pretty close. Okay. Okay. And if it's a solo, if it's solo, T, you know, well that there's no such thing as a solo T twenty one. Solo 21st. Well, what did Solo 52nd finished, which is what Frankie finished at? Frankie? Oh, Francesco. Francesco Wait, hold on. This is the wrong list. Mike, just do what you got to do, and I'm ready for speed talk when you're ready. So this, this it has the wrong names on here. It has Hideki winning, and it has like at the top 10, right? But go down to the bottom. It doesn't have him there. But it has it has like 50th as 28,000. So last place was 28,000, 29,000 for 49th. So, regardless, uh, about it costs them about seventy to eighty, seventy to ninety grand, depending on what the real numbers are, yeah, and where everyone finished. So, yeah, uh, that's expensive. I haven't spent that much in one day ever. <laughs> well, geez, I hope not. Ever. Spend ninety grand in one day. We we <laughs> we're gonna sit you down. We're gonna have an intervention. <laughs> we have a little talk. We have a little talk. Unless you buy something really cool that we can all be part of, then we'll. We'll talk about it after we partake. But what about what's your thoughts on Rory? Rory, he's lost. Yeah, I mean, anytime you, I don't care who you are. I don't know. I don't care if you're working with someone you've known for 15 years. Anytime you get new thoughts, new instruction, there's always doubt. Uh, And I think that's you know you can't you can't have doubt when you're playing a cha- a major championship golf course, uh, you just can't, you know? And I think he's obviously, he's got some doubt leading into this, but he's working with Pete Cowan now. And I know that Pete's known him for a long time, but anytime you take on a new instructor and they're going to give you new ideas, um, there's going to be a little bit of self-doubt in the beginning. And it, it showed, you know, again. Well, yeah. I think it's too early. I mean, he did just switch to, to Colin, what, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. It's, it hasn't you know, been I heard Brandel Chambly. I think it was Friday night, Brandel Chambly. Don't ever mention Brandel Chambly's name on this podcast. <laughs> no, I will. I think he can be an idiot sometimes. But actually, Jay and I, when we were playing golf on Thursday, we were talking about Chambly. He, he does remarkable amounts of research. He I'm just kidding. Not, He's brilliant. He may not say some things the right way, or he may have some opposing opinions in the majority but uh, you know he knows his stuff when he's talking about it for the most part anyways he brought up rory when he missed the cut and pete cowan he's like pete cowan's not working for him it's done you know he needs to move on i'm like whoa brandall i mean it's been like a month maybe you know like i can't i don't know if we should have expected him to win the masters um after a month or three weeks working with cowan but uh anyways i think he's uh, Obviously, looking for the Masters to get the slam. We all want him to do well. He's a big name in this game, but uh, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't put that on you know a, a, a teacher. Uh, I don't know. I, I 
I think some of the teachers get, they should get the the respect that they get for the amount of work that they do. But at the same time, the, the player is the one that is swinging the golf club. So if a, if a player plays poorly, you can't necessarily look right back at the teacher and be like, Oh, what you're teaching them is not working. You know, Hey, maybe the, maybe the player is not, you know, you know, accepting of what knowledge I'm giving them or not willing to work on it the right way. I mean, there's stories from tiger when he used to work with Foley and Foley would ask him to do stuff and, and Tiger would be, you know, basically look at Sean and be like, I'm not doing that, dude. I'm not doing that stuff. That's ridiculous. Which, you know, again, this is Tiger, the best golfer of all time. And he's got this young instructor giving him some ideas and some insight. And he's basically looks at his instructor in the face and says, that's, that's ridiculous, dude. I'm not doing what you asked me to do. That's stupid. I'm not doing that. Look, what is this teacher supposed to do? Like, is it his fault that the player won't listen to what he's saying and won't, won't do what he's asking him to do? You, you know, so I kind of side with Pete a little bit in the sense that like, Hey, it's only been three weeks. We were just tiptoeing into this. So for Brandel to say it's not working, I think is ridiculous. You know, I mean, it took, how long did it take Butch and Tiger to, to really solidify the changes they made in, in, in like year you know, and late, the late nineties and early two thousand. I know they did one little kind of stint in, in 96, which led for him, which led to him winning the, the 97 masters. And then again, in 99, they really, really dove in and tried to, you know, plane things off, get the club face a little bit more square. And that took a year and a half. I mean, geez, I mean, give Rory some credit. Yeah, it took 18 months. Yeah. So no, you're right on that. But, and I'm looking at his stats from Monday or sorry, from Thursday, Friday, like he, uh, round one, he hit 55% of his greens. You're like, that's not very good. You know, the average was 57. So he was right there at average. Um, on round two, he hit nine at 18 greens. The average was up to 63 that day. So he's just not hitting it very good. His putting, if you look at his, this is just this week. So it's like, this is a hard week to take a snapshot as along yeah. with what you're saying, Jay, like, yeah, I totally agree. Can you imagine three weeks? It's, it almost would be better if you started, a, a, you know, working with a new coach last week, because then it's like still so fresh. You're not, you're kind of still in that, like that zone, but like three weeks is the danger zone. Cause you had just enough time to kind of start making it your own. And then, hey, Augusta National, and you show up, and it's firm and fast and terrifying. That's like when you haven't played for like two, three well, months. So that's you come out that first day and you play great, and then yeah. every round that precedes that, you <laughs> you progressively get worse you, until until you reach that you know point where you're like, okay, now I'm back to normal, mm-hmm. and you quit. Now, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh no, oh, no. okay, then that's you just... quit. But I mean, no, you come out that first round, you come back after playing, and you haven't played forever. And you're like, ah, oh, your expectations are like zero. They're like, you can oh, hold on, time out, time out, Jay. You can really relate to this because this is what you're going through right yeah. now, right? I just, I mean, yesterday was the first 18 holes I've played since December. Well, actually, November, end of November, after shoulder surgery. So I went back out. My expectations were absolute zero, um, and I didn't play that bad. So I mean, granted, I shot 71. So you know, maybe if I was playing full time, uh, so one, I wouldn't have been happy humble about. Brag. Double boast, yeah. I mean, my point is, Ash, like, you, I, I was happy with the way that I played, and my expectations were low, and I was happy with it. And then every, you know, I played today, and then I was like, I could see myself progressively getting more critical of my of my game after one day of being back. It's like, all right, give yourself a break, dude. You're not going to come out and shoot 65 your second day back after you think that's, five months off. 
That's a great point, Jay. So we always wonder why that happens, right? Because that happens to all of us. So you hadn't played and you come out, you're like, you know, this isn't that bad. And I've always thought it was like, oh, now I start trying new things. But I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's not as much as about you start trying to hit shots you haven't hit in a while. It's more about how you react to those shots. You, mm-hmm. you get very critical on yourself all of a sudden because before, you know, no expectations. You kind of hit one fat. You kind of laugh. You're like, well, yeah. you know, I hadn't played in a while. And you just yeah. move on. That's a really that, – that's, It's yeah. all expectations, yeah. Yeah. Jay and I played. Go ahead, Mike. Jay and I played nine on Jay and I played nine on Thursday. I just want to ask him who won. <laughs> I can't That's remember. all you need to say there, Jay. I can't. The remember. guy is coming back off of surgery. Yeah, exactly. And I jumped all over a bet on the first <laughs> totally. team. Like, Jay, let's go. Yeah. It's my only chance to beat you. Let's go. Five and two, nine holes. Yeah. Come on. He totally. did. Mikey, Mikey played well. He birdied three of the last four holes. And he and he clipped me for sixteen bucks. Yeah, now just have another surgery and I'll look at you again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, just kick him in the shit or something next day. Like whack him played, with the sandwich. He played well. I mean, I, you know, like I said, my expectations were like next to nothing, and he took it's advantage. The only time I could say I beat Jay Woodson, so I'm gonna fucking say it. <laughs> he played Would good. You, he played so, good. I was so on that. I was like happy what, for him. I gave so you, him. I gave him a tip because I but, forgot to pay him right away. <laughs> Back when we were talking about with Rory and then like with Tiger, you're talking about remember when Tiger was making the changes? I think Tiger was make he would when he was making some of these big changes, he would take these like massive amounts of time off, right? So no one knew if how he was hitting it. Yeah, but he was also still making cuts and and competing. I can't remember. He wasn't winning. He wasn't winning. But he made like fucking nine hundred cuts in a row, right? So like he made every cut. His, so at he his was worst, cuts, he was still. He was probably yeah. finishing top twenties. I don't remember the nineteen ninety eight. You know, well, I would from Tiger, I would but. attribute I would attribute that to Butch Harmon and knowing how much information to give to the to the student. Butch Harmon was classic, and 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 Tom, you, you know, your dad Curtis has talked on touched on this in the past. Um, Butch is like a genius of you know. Could could you say there's some other teachers out there that, you know, X's and O's and reading TrackMan and using all these other tools? Are there guys that are more knowledgeable? Maybe. But is there a better communicator and a better teacher, which is a, a big portion of, of teaching the golf swing, is how good are you at communicating your thoughts and articulating them to a point where the student can learn it? And Butch is got to be the best. I mean, he's got to be if not the best, arguably top two or three teachers of all time. And I think that's what he did so well with Tiger is he knew how much information to give him. And that's why it took a year, year and a half, because he knew he's like, Hey, you're going to play through this and I can give you this little tidbit for two months. I'll give you this little tidbit for two more months. And you keep going until the get to a point where, Hey buddy, you got it. Now go beat everybody by 10 shots. And which is what he did. Teaching and coaching, right? Like that's, that's a, that Jay, that's, that's like, there are two Could different not be things. any more spot on, right? You yeah. have to know how to handle as a as a instructor, and you guys would know more about this than I. But like how to how to handle the whole process, and you're yeah. you're spot on, man. Like he yeah. knew what to say and what not to say. And on this note, a little quick timeout. Let's give a shout out to our boy John Scott Rattan, who was just officially named Director of Instruction at Congressional Country Club. So Congrats. I don't know if I'm supposed to. This is public yeah. knowledge. But all our our fourteen listeners are going to know it now, John Scott. Well, and, up to fifteen and, and, now, and that's you know that's a great point because I you know I talk to John Scott all the time, and I always tell him that like you know if you guys don't know him, if you're a listener, if you you need to look him up, he's 
he's probably one of the most knowledgeable uh, instructors on the East Coast, hands down. And the thing that he has gotten so much better at in the last five years is his his uh, interaction with the students and the psychology of it and his communication and making sure his students understand what he's what he's trying to say. And that's what's taken him to that next level, because from a, you know, analytical standpoint, he is got to be one of the best. I mean, he's read every single golf book that you could possibly read. He's, he's got, he's played got the, the game, game himself for years. Yeah. Like, you know. I mean, he really does. He, he's used every type of, of tool that you can use, whether it's like one of the, you know, the body vest or the, or, you know, obviously track man that he uses and the, the, you know, the foot plates, the force, that they plates. Use, force plates. I mean, he can do, he can use all of these things. And I think, you know, he's now taken himself to the next level in terms of his communicative skills and how he can, uh, art- like I said, articulate his thoughts and put them in in the right words to where the student can understand it. Because at the end of the day, you can have all these great thoughts in your head. And if you can't say it to where a student understands it, then what good does it, it falls on deaf ears, but he's, he's yeah, exactly. And he's, he's incredible. And like I said, he, I, I've always said this and I, I'll, I'll keep saying that he's one of the best teachers on the East coast. He'll be walking the 40 yet, but he'll be walking the, the range at the masters with about three or four students one day. Yeah. No question. Well, yeah. And it's about, you know, teaching and coaching, like you said, Tom is not just about the X's and O's because guy can walk away and not retain any of it or not know how to practice mm-hmm. any of it because golf is an odd sport. And I say this a lot to some of my students. We're the only sport where the coach isn't there every practice and every game. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey, yeah, give great, great story about how teaching and coaching, right? So I remember that time that I came to you for that lesson. You know, right? We had something we were going to work. We we're going to do something afterwards. You were teaching a lesson. So I need a little help. So I show up. Well, next thing, for some odd reason, I just start shanking it. Like, I mean, hitting peelers onto the 18th fairway at the foundry. And Mikey's in the middle of his lesson still, and I'm just like, hurry, buddy, hurry. But but teaching and coaching. So Mike quickly came over, and he realized this isn't a time to say, hey, you need to get the club here. This is a time, like, we need to go into damage control. Some crisis what management. can we do, right? So we're going to, like, you know, let's just kind of take some deep breaths, you know. But, like, seriously, I mean, that's a you know stupid story, but – as, but these guys, you know, even at the, it scales to the top level, these these instructors now have to know that, like, all right, when is it time to work about fundamentals or, or, or club position? And when is it a time to talk to a guy about, you know, the set of nuts? Of course, management and, you know, psychology of the game. I mean, you got if you're going to be a coach, not a swing instructor, if you're going to be a golf coach, you've got to have a little bit of everything, you know. You have to understand personalities too. Like if yeah. I was coaching the three of you, I would I would treat all three of you differently in a lesson. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I've been you, trying to get lessons for six the, years. You know, Maroni, you won't you won't teach me anymore. What's up? Your checks don't clear. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the best the best teachers that they can do that. John Scott can do that, and the other. I work with Ricky Sullivan down at Bulls Bay for ten years, and he uh, he was phenomenal. He was a great. Great, great coach, you know, like great golf coach. Somebody you could call, you could go through your round with, talk about strategy, not just golf swing. I mean, he could do that. That was the easy part. But to, to go through your round, talk to talk through what you did wrong, what you did right, what can, what can you do to improve? Like he can do all those things. I mean, he's got – I mean, Ricky's got, I don't know, 60, 70 kids that have gone on to play Division One 
college golf. I mean, this is just I could that could be I could be lowballing it. It could be a it could be over a hundred. Um, it's just incredible. He's got one one girl that he works with that's uh, goes to Wake Forest. Tom, you may know her, uh, Rachel. It's like Keeney. Cune or yeah. yeah yeah he works yeah. he's been working with her for like seven years and she's a all-american i mean just no, Rick, ricky's incredible what what they do down there is uh he just impressive and his resume obviously proves that what he's doing works i mean you don't have that many kids come up play high level d1 golf and have guys that go on to that much success without you know, uh, success. I mean, it's a track record yeah. of success. It's what yeah. anyone would look for when you look at finding someone to uh, take a look at your golf swing. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, again, to our point of what we we're talking about, again, the main point was some of these guys and the instruction that Pete Cowan's given uh, a Rory and it's only been three weeks, you know, it takes time, but it also, you know, again, to, to Ricky Sullivan's credit, like these guys are coaches. They understand how to communicate with individuals and talk golf and teach them about playing golf, not just swinging a golf club. That's, that is important, but it's, it's just one factor of being a great player, learning how, learning how to prepare, learning how to practice, learning how to swing, learning how to chip, learning how to putt, learning how to, uh, you know, map out your, your round for the next day. I mean, all these things, they go over all this stuff and teach these kids how to do this. I mean, and and the fact that they're doing it with young people like makes it even more amazing right because these kids are you know they got everything else going on right they're not it's one thing to teach a guy that's been on tour for three years like you know he's he's kind of he's a professional but when you got a kid that you are a child and you know whatever you call it like a high school kid that you can take the next next level that's even more impressive yeah it really it really is 100 percent. all right so let's one thing i wanted to, to talk about was augusta national the golf club right it's it's the gem. It's the the crown jewel of American golf. Everyone's excited to see it. It looked way better than it did in November. Uh, no one really said it, but it kind of looked shit in November for Augusta. Um, if we're all being honest, nobody wanted to say it because it's Augusta and it's always perfect. And especially the people the personality. Yeah, you just got television. put on a list, pal. <laughs> well, I was already on the list, so it's okay. But. It looked amazing this week, and it was firm, and it was fast, and yes, it got a little soft yesterday afternoon after that small weather delay. What did you I guys was glad think about? How, well, what did you guys think of how it played? Um, did you like it? Did you not like it? Thoughts? I thought it played fantastic. I think that place when it's playing firm and fast is a testament to how the golf course is supposed to be supposed to be played. Um, I, I think it makes the golf course much more challenging i think did it get a little bit i'm not gonna say out of hand but there were some iron shots that i saw come in that it's like all right well what was what was the guy supposed to do here i mean it was playing very firm in certain locations um i watched uh oh god who was it i watched an iron shot come into 15 land eight to 10 feet behind the flag. And I mean, it ended up 15 yards over the green and i like that i think that's a good way that i well a better way of saying that is I feel like the golf course plays very fair and true when it plays firm and fast, but there are times where you watch an iron shot hit into a green that just gets totally rejected. And you kind of look back and go, well, what, what did he do wrong there? How, how could he have improved that? And I have trouble trying to articulate how he could have done better. I mean, I guess the only solution would have been to lay up and hit a wedge into the green. Um, But at the same time, it's like, all right, if, if you're, 
a, a professional in the PGA tour and you're inside of 215 and you've got an iron in your, iron in your hand, I feel like they ought to be able to hit a solid iron shot and it'd be able to hold the green. And when it's not holding the green, you question of whether or not it, it should be playing that way. And that's not anything negative on Augusta or anything, what they did. I feel like the golf course was in fantastic condition. I think it played very fair and it was a great test of golf. But at the same time, you see this sometimes happen in U.S. Opens where when you watch a tour player make solid contact, land in the middle of the green, and it ends up bouncing 20 feet over the green, you go, well, was that was that how it should have been? Was that was that fair? I, I don't mean to bring in fair, but was that? Was that the best way that that could have been prepared for the players? I think fair is the right word. I agree with you. You're spot on. The difference is like U.S. Opens, they get to, when they when they lose it, when it goes that, when it crosses that line, a lot of these courses, they can't, they have a hard bringing it back, right? Whereas Augusta, you know, with the sub air and what have you, like they can really dial it. And from what I was told that they kind of, it was playing just how they wanted all week. And say so there was no rain, they were going to kind of, dial it back a little bit, you know, Saturday, Sunday, just to let the fireworks be that we all love. Like back nine, Sunday to Augusta, we we want birdies, right? And if if things had – let's think if the back nine today had played like it did Thursday, it would have, you know, it, w- it wouldn't have been that much fun. Um, so that little bit of rain helped, uh, and they they could have dried those things out so easily, but they yeah. you know, didn't, which I think was good. I mean, we, we saw, you know – you're spot on. Like it, it played firm and fast, and there was definitely shots that you're going on Thursday, Friday. You know, to your point, McLean, that my thought, I saw a shot, and I go, "Holy crap!" Like that's that, that sucks for that guy. And if this continues, this place can be unplayable this weekend. You know, so they, especially the, they want to have the traditional Sunday pins, so they have to accommodate that, right? Like there's a couple, like on two. Let's take pin on two, the pin on. 11. How about that pin on 11? With those things that stayed firm and fast, 11 would have been unplayable with that pin today. So they know what they're doing there. You know, the golf world centers around Augusta. No, and you're right, Tom. And the shot that I was talking about did happen on Friday. Um, I do a couple Thursday, Friday. Friday, I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but it was on Friday. Landed six to eight feet. I shouldn't say six to eight feet. Landed 12 feet behind the pin on 15. The pin was front middle on 15 on Friday, and it was sayonara. I mean, yeah. It wasn't, wasn't even close. I mean, third holes on if, – if, if, if they kept it today like it was Thursday, Friday, let's say there was no rain, third hole would have been unplayable. Four would have been pretty damn close to unplayable. Five would have been – you know, see, so like the way these greens are, and that's what I, I, I do give them a little credit, like, Augusta National, when it was built. All right, that's a great question, guys. All right, when Augusta was designed, finally finished, let's say the first 10 years of the Masters, what do you think the green speed was on those greens? And I don't know, but I'm just... Fr- seven. Seven. Yeah, yeah, I would it, say... It got crazy yeah. to get to eight or nine, right? Now they're running at 14. So, like, that's... And you could say this about golf courses across the country, especially in the Southeast with Donald Ross courses. Like, when they built these places... The greens roll at seven, you know, now when you get them to these speeds, it's, it's unplayable and also limits your pin positions. So, you know, if, if if they do not have control, if they can't control this, you know, the setup throughout the week, weather aside, then shit can get crazy. And we've seen well, it in the US Open. And that's why you see a lot of the courses now in North Carolina when they convert over to the Bermuda grass, they have to reshape the greens because ultimately they're much too severe for mm-hmm. the speed that the new grasses will allow. 
So what's the answer though? So, cause I love the slope. So like perfect example is, is Benvenue country club, Rocky mountain, North Carolina. I don't know if y'all have played it. I know I've played it. Absolutely. Awesome. They've kept those greens that like the, and they, there's people that are listening. You are 14 listeners. Like if they saw these greens, they they'd be like, this is this like, where's the clown's mouth? Where's the wind? We got to blow the place up. Yeah. But what they've done there is they've been smart about saying, okay, we're going to keep the greens traditional, but we're going to keep them. You know, we can't go to 14. We can't go. They keep them at like nine and it's a blast to play. So, you know, where's the, where's the, uh, well, that's where now. the reshaping has to come in with the new grass. I mean, I, I personally like, or just slow them down additional speed. Well, I, I like the additional speed, but I think there is that happy medium and, that's where you have to, because I'm a big fan of a small green with a lot of undulation in it, but there is a way now with the modern turf that we can reduce the amount of undulation and still have that same effect. It just has to be. And I, I personally, I like seeing it in a smaller footprint. I like the courses growing up in North Carolina, you know, growing up with a lot of small undulating greens that fall off on the sides. I personally like that visual. I like the aesthetic. I like playing on it. I think it's a very fair surface, a very fair design. But I think there is a way and there is that happy medium. And I recently played Cape Fear Country Club in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, which is a Donald, uh, Donald Ross redesign. Have you played it since the Reno? No, it is. It is. It's a it is a championship golf course. It is a totally different animal these days. Cape Fear has always been a good design, but it wasn't ever a very tough test. Um, it's a it's a big boy golf course now. Uh, it's a great track. I've and Tom, you've played it. I'm sure you remember. Um, It's a much different facility. Now they went in and redid those greens, restored it. Um, They made the greens uh, Bermuda. They are much faster. They did soften some of the undulation, but now with the combination of the soft undulation and the speed, it still has that Ross feeling that you you still get a little bit of, you know, the, the quaky knees over the short putts. But at the same time, it gives you the ability to have more of that modern speed while maintaining, um, you know, some of that that traditional feel of a Ross Green. Firm, firm and firm and fast has to stay firm and fast throughout, in my opinion. Like if, if you have firm and fast greens, you got like soft fairways and soft runoffs. That's 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 too hard. I can't handle that shit. What about oh. firm and slow? That's that's kind of what you're alluding to, Tom. It's like, no, I agree. How do you keep these undulating greens and, and keep them in play? But firm and slow is a weird combo. It messes now, with yeah. brains. You know, it's like, man, they're Never hard, but they the, the putts are slow. It's it's a weird. You always think firm and fast. That. Yeah, you can do it. You can do firm and slow. Yeah. So I I thought Augusta. I'm a, I'm a hard guy to please, right? I'm always complaining. I'm always negative. It was just a touch tougher than I would like. I don't know what that means, guys, but um, really? even today. Yeah, I mean, let's go to three, four, five, six with the firmness of the greens. No one could get close to those flags. Threes they are were a little too goofy now. I agree. They three. were they were they were too hard for the firmness of the greens. If the green a little soft, those are great flag sticks. Fours, fours. But you had fours you had three in that tiny three. You had that tiny little peninsula. Four, yeah. you had that flag right over the front bunker, which is stupid. Five, you had it right on the top of that ledge where it's you're landing on a downslope into that back bunker. Six, you're on that little tiny tabletop. I love those. I love those flags. If it was a touch softer and guys could actually hit a good shot where it stops. Yeah. So, well, how do you? I, do I don't that? know. Like, it, 
four four is a joke of a hole. I mean, the guys are hitting what are they hitting? Three, four, you know, you know, four, five, you know, three iron. I mean, whatever. I mean, it's yeah, just, if those guys are taking the head covers off. That's yeah, it's gonna like, be great to know what what was that hole? What when they built Augusta, what did that back tee play? What was that yardage? Because you know it wasn't number four? Right? Yeah. Uh, Probably 180. Like 180. Yeah, something like that, right? I don't know. I'm just saying it's no, I agree with five now. To- totally. And like I what is it two forty five? No, two forty was the back. Yeah. yeah. That's that's I don't know. I, I don't that's so that's my whole thing is if I, I'm all for firm and fast, yeah. but you can't have firm and fast with whole locations that are impossible to get to. That's exactly right. You're so it's a, I think it's a balance, right? So firm and fast, I'm all for. Let's just make maybe the whole locations are here more accessible. And then if it's if it's soft and slow, then let's tuck them, put them on ledges, put them on ridges. Yeah, you got you've got to you've got to if it's, it's a, a good, balance. If, it, if the the, the, the group setting up the course, they should be paid, paying attention to conditions, wind conditions. Like, are we, is 18 into the wind today? You know. Are these guys hitting, you know, you know, four iron, five iron in, you know, do we want to move the pin a little bit? I know they have their traditional pins on Sunday, but you, you do have to pay attention to what the what the conditions are. If it's soft and wet and rainy and into the wind on holes, then to give them a chance to, you know, make it comparable to what clubs you think they're going to be hitting into the hole. So that a little bit of that can be attributed to the course setup and, and how the how those guys set the courses up. Um, and sometimes they could say, screw you guys. I'm going to set up as hard as I can. I want to see everybody shoot over par, which, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, I, that's no fun really to watch, you know? I mean, part of it is too, is, is it, are, there's a conundrum, right? Are we trying to determine the best golfer or are we also providing entertainment? Right. And so that's, that's part of it, right? I think if the hair, the course was a hair easier and maybe where it's a little more entertaining, we have someone make a charge in, you know, we're not exactly. You're saying, oh, it was a little boring and yada, 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 but everyone was making bogeys on the front nine, and it was like, oh, okay, fun. Yeah. Tom? Tom. I agree. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that better I'm just getting – I was I was too far away from the mic, and now I'm close. Yeah, for, for our listeners, I'll text to Jay when he was, <laughs> he was you know, 40 was, feet away from his microphone. We back. all had this echo. I was like, lounging. Hey. I'm like, bird. Microphone, get a little closer yeah. there. I was lounging on the couch here talking, and I forgot that. You looked very comfortable, though. I was super comfortable. Nobody heard anything that I said, but I was. No, we are. It's true. It's like, and that's like, you know, we are, it's, it's easy for us to sit here and, and critique, but like, think about these guys setting up these golf courses that, um, you know, I mean, the weather's involved. Like, there's so many factors. Now, Gus, that's a lot easier because the same golf course and they can control it a lot more. Uh, I love how, but but two words talking about right, like the pin on one today was awesome. You hit two good shots, you get rewarded there. Um, two was that great. I love that pin on two because as much as you can get rewarded and him there, you know, short for eagle, you can make a mess of that hole. I love two. I think that's such a that's, great par. Such five. a cool par five. Uh, yeah. Three again. Three they I, I just because that is such a great part short par four because like I said, I mean, look where Xander drove it. And, and look what happened. So mm-hmm. they needed something's got to work there, though, because a guy of his caliber stands over that little pitch and he can't I mean, find a more leader than bogey it. on that hole. Yeah. Like it was three, four, five. You know, five, they've moved that T. Like I don't mind that pin when it wasn't such a long hole. Now coming in there, you know, from 200 plus yards to that pin. Yeah. You know, maybe if they're hitting an eight iron versus that's a know, great pin for six a, iron. Uh, an iron. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but that, 
for that pin is on five, all you got to do is hit it, you know, 15 to 15 to 25 feet behind the hole. And you got, it's, it's not, all, but you're coming in there with a five iron and you can't hold it, you know, yeah, you're close. landing on a downslope. Yeah. So that Ridge, you know, seven, seven funnel pin. played easier today with that. Again, that great pin at seven. So I love how they'll, they're not afraid to put a pin in a spot where balls will funnel, but they're all, they'll also put it in some places where they'll funnel away from it. So I want, I, what would we all shoot right now? If we all went and played today, same conditions, the back tees. Yeah. Honest opinion. Come on. Let's hear it. Everybody go. Mar- Maroney go. Fuck. I need you to point me first. I'll shoot uh, 88. <laughs> you shoot better than that. There's dude. no way you shoot that high, but you shoot a lot less than that. What do you think? <laughs> Look at McLean. Spit it. I, it's going to have to be 8-0. I would think it's going to be right around 80, somewhere between 78 and 82 if I had to, if I had to take a guess. I also had a golf ball in three weeks, so that may that may <laughs> right, be well, a little. Let's, let's preface, okay? So say you had maybe eighty uh, or ninety. So say we had a month. You had a month to prepare. A now month to prepare. Over. I think I could shoot. I, I think realistically, in tour shape, mid to high seventies, and you know, like I said, eighty eighty would be. If I had a month to prepare, I could easily shoot mid to high seventies, no problem. Marani, back to you. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll say seventy eight if I have a month to prepare. Jay I can't Bernard? hit it out of my shadow, guys. I'm gonna be hitting three. I'll be Bernhard longer. Be hitting three wood into every par four. Well, like I'm gonna uh, go before Jay. TF, I have to TF driver on number four. Give me two forty five. I'd make a six footer on last hole for ninety one. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but I'd be getting that. I'd be getting eight shots, so I'd probably I still win the bet. Right, Jay, go. eight. Fuck that. I don't. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that I could, you know, keep it around par out there, but I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think I could easily shoot, you know, one two under, but I could easily shoot four or five over probably out there. With your game, I, I'm betting but a good score somewhere. But, I, I mean, I would, Jay, I think would I would you, shoot in the 70s. Would you also agree, though? You know, we're just talking about that first round out there. You know, I think I think we all, if we have a half dozen rounds under our belt have that ability to shoot a, a much more competitive score. Now, See, I think, the, I think the more I play there, the worse my scores. Yeah. I think my best, my best chance is first time. The first round. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> yeah. No, Tom, I mean, have you never played? Nope. And that's a conversation you need to have with my father, not me. <laughs> I will not bring that up. Well, I mean, you guys know him. You, you all know him, you all you all know him well enough to know that he would rather, you know, be buried with live snakes than ask anybody for a favor. Yeah. So, hence there you go. That's and that's the, and that's, that's maybe the one favor him. that you're like, come on, come on, pop, yeah. just like this would be cool. <laughs> yeah. But I have yeah, I have told him that like if 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 we get to a point where when he can't play anymore and we have not played that place together, yeah, um, when he when he does pass, I'm going to bury him. Somewhere that nobody will ever know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, it's funny that you say that, you know, because I, I think I probably talked about this previously. I went to the, I went to Augusta one time, obviously in 96, but I told myself I was never going to go back until I was playing in the event. And I'm here I am, you know, 25 years later, and I'm wishing <laughs> that I would have played the chances that I had, you know, through the context that I had to go to the Masters just to go. You know, I had multiple. You know, opportunities to go and then um, um, it's a couple opportunities to play the course and i was like i didn't want to 
be that guy who was like taking advantage of, you know, a friend and I didn't want to push. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And now I'm looking back. I'm like, I should have played there as many times as I possibly could have. Um, I mean, but, just look yeah. at the guys that qualify for it, like the Amherst or the guys that qualify yeah. their first year on play. They go like every chance they get. Yeah. yeah. They go. Yeah. A hundred percent. You're right. <laughs> so the other thing before, before we kind of wrap up here, what we wanted to mention, cause I know a few of us had texted over the weekend, the apparel, some of these guys wear is just hideous. It is awful. I'm, I'm not going to name names of companies, but I'm Victor going Hovland, to Victor Hovland. Was it Jay Lindenberg? Sorry. Name a name. Um, just <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. Ter- <laughs> terrible. Nike. The stuff that Nike, this big American conglomerate that they put their star golf athletes in is pitiful. It is. I'm sorry. It is awful. So I'll let you guys go. But there's like four guys that dress well on the PGA Tour. And that's about it. You got no. I mean, I, I'm going to be no. long winded on this one. So who wants to yeah. go? No, go ahead? No, I mean, <laughs> it, this is this is time for some strange right now expert on the subject can we yeah you're you've been in the golf apparel world forever can we get a bell well should i start okay so um you're spot on nike i i don't know what's going on there um especially you know when you know what their apparel sales are in the business um you know what guys are wearing on tour is nothing remotely close to what is selling in golf shops so I don't know where their disconnect is, Good, you know, and I work for Nike and I love them and I'm, I'll always be a Nike fan, but I, some of the stuff I just can't quite figure out. Um, Victor Hovland. Okay. That shirt he had on, it looked like, <laughs> it looked like, like a 1950s, like somebody that worked at like a, like a TGI Fridays, like a, like a waiter would wear or something. And it was just. I mean, it's so bad. Like, honestly, I would love to know. Are that shirt? You know what I'm talking about? The orange one with the white thing, the white placket that went all the way down. If if they sell 15 of those in your everyday golf shops anywhere in the country, they sell 15 in a year. I, you know, like I, I'll no chance, right? No, what, Mikey? You buy for your shop. Mm-hmm. If if you somebody showed that to you, like, hey, you know, I think you could sell this to your membership. You would laugh at them. Oh yeah, I would say fuck no. Uh, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've said that to you a couple of times when you showed me some apparel. Yeah, I know. Well, I remember I never showed you anything. We just kind of drink beer and goof off. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's funny because I had this exact conversation with my wife last night. We're talking about like what these guys are wearing, and you could lump it all together. What tour players are wearing is not what is selling in golf shops. You know, there's there's you know a handful there. You know, your Peter Millar guys, but even some of the Peter Millar guys are wearing some of their edgier stuff. Um, so I, I just, I don't understand it, man. Don't get it. I don't know if it's, you know, well, actually, no, I do know it's from a, from the company side, they're thinking, Hey, this is an opportunity to showcase kind of, you know, do a little flash some splash, you know, Hey, look at us, but I don't necessarily think it's resonating. Um, so, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm a guy that I've, I've gotten into the print world and, you know, a lot of these companies are doing prints and we sell them a lot now to find We used to never sell them four or five years ago and now i can't keep them on the shelves they're the first ones to go and you know hashtag no free ads but you know i think some companies make a better print a little more classy print that looks a little better some of them are just awful some of the stripes are awful <sighs> some of the stuff that jordan spieth was wearing was bad with under armor 
I don't know. I just I just think it's really awful stuff. It's gotten most weird. Of these man. guys are wearing. I don't know. I, I can't pinpoint enough guys off the top of my head because it's most of them, but it's bad. That that shirt Justin Rose had on. What was that? Was it yesterday? That was text. Yes. Yeah, that I looked at that too. That that was didn't look that looked bad. So first of all, well, it was ugly. What was, the shirt. was it apples on his was, shirt? It was roses, which is kind of baller. Roses. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I thought that I was pretty that. badass. Like I didn't get I didn't get a close enough uh, camera angle. I mean, my my goal with the whole thing is is I, I know this has been something Tom you can probably comment on is you want to be able to wear something that the guys can go play 18 holes and then walk right off and almost wear the same shoes and go get lunch at somewhere off the golf course or, you know, go to a bar and, and, and the way you don't, you know, you're not at a place where you're not wearing white pants. If you wear white pants anywhere, anywhere other than the golf course, every, people are going to look at you like, what, what are you doing? Why they're going to you, think you're are, there to paint their house. Yeah. They're like, what do you, why are you wearing those white pants and a white belt? Like, what are you, are you, what are you doing? So I would love to see it become, uh, more streamlined to have that classic look where guys wear something like they they could wear to you know the golf course they could wear business casually wear the office and it just looked a little bit more seamless where you could go play 18 holes walk right off and then go and I know that I, I know that that's something that a lot of the 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 soft goods companies they they think about but I still am not seeing the guys doing on the PGA tour they're, they're still wearing super bright patterns, super crazy patterns, super, uh, you know, still with the white pants. I still see them every week. I thought, I thought the white pants went out like three or four years ago, but apparently that's not the case. People still wear white pants all the time. Yeah, we got no time for that. So, I mean, when's the last, the guy when's the last who time? always wore white pants. Yeah. When's the last time Adidas made a good looking That's golf when shoe? it was in style. Now it's not. To the players' defense, especially in the majors, these guys don't get to choose what they wear. They're scripted, especially the top. At least the top guys. Well, well, they 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 get it presented to them, but they have a say. They can say, "I don't want to wear that," yeah. but oh. I think some of these guys don't care. And I and I mean that as a like in their defense, like they're they're worried about you know preparing for Augusta, but at the same time, you know, hey, look good, feel good, play good, All right? Look like a dipshit, play like a dipshit. You know, miscut your home watching the Masters on Saturday. That might have something to do with it too. What was up with Fleetwood wearing the same pattern every day, just different colors? I'm just giving you a seizure between his hat. Well, and that's his shirt. that's a Nike thing. Nike did that last year too, or two years ago. Like every guy wore the same thing, just different colors every day. I don't. I know. didn't know if he had trouble getting his clothes. While I was, I was thrown. I was like, I feel like I'm. <laughs> I feel like I've seen that before. I don't know if he's having a laundry <laughs> issue or what, what's going on here. Let's, let's clean this up, guys. Let's clean Best, this up. Hit the pro shop and grab some fresh duds. Best dress of the week, Zalatoris, hands down. And he Ooh. wasn't great. Uh, yeah, no. I don't right. know. I thought JT looked pretty good with the Juice Grayson combo. Is that what he's wearing? It still well, looks right a little agent, RLX he's to me. Free agent, he's free agent. He had Grayson shirt, and uh, I was told he had uh, Juice uh, slacks on. He, he ain't as free of an agent as you might think, but he's uh, well, he a. Juice like, looks like the obvious uh, landing point. I mean, with uh, it being under the Kushnet umbrella, and ultimately with them looking to sign a top player in the U.S., that wouldn't surprise me at all. Is that what Leash was wearing for shoes? Yeah, Leash was yeah. wearing shoes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. God, what a what a nice that company. What an. <laughs> 
What well, good golf, product but, do they come out with? Though? Everybody's got to remember, golf, golf is golf is a hobby for that company. Yeah, you know, that, it's a ski company, right? Like, yeah, well, they're they're big. You know, yeah, they sell the like a a ski suit for like two yeah. grand, three grand. I mean, it's expensive stuff yeah. in the ski world. They're uh, and they're good people. Like, so I I was at a company that was owned by them, so we were kind of under the umbrella, and you know that they are they're they got their mess together. Mikey, and, does does the Goodwin family still still have a piece of that, or are they're out of that that company? No, because they're not they're now under the Christian umbrella. Uh, I got you, I got you. So well, was it Fila owns them? Yeah, owns Christian, which owns Titleist Shoes and Footjoy, and now Links and Kings is another company, a leather apparel what, I mean, accessory what, company. I don't know. I still have my my rain suit. I I got like five years ago, and it's still it's still repels water like it should I mean, well, that's no, the, they do make they do make that's the argument stuff. you're gonna pay for very it very good stuff you're gonna I pay mean, for it but it's gonna last and it's it still looks good too it's not like the the sizing was right they just kind of they know what they know what they're doing i've, so, I've never owned like any three. of their i don't plan on any of their uh shirts or pants just their outerwear yeah but it's really good outerwear it does yeah. It is a little sized funny for some guys because it's a European company. So yeah. it's a European fit. So like a lot of my guys at the club had a hard time, you know, they had to size up to fit the torso, but then the sleeves are too long, but yeah. our listeners don't care about this. So <laughs> I have so many rain suits that are in such great condition because I refuse to play in the rain. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, so, uh, gents, before we wrap it up, anything else you guys have for the weekend? I will just put a one quick shout out to the Masters website and the Masters app. It's phenomenal to be able uh, to, yes. to click on a guy's scorecard and go to a hole and watch the shot, the actual video of every shot. If you wanted to see how did a guy make a double bogey there and cost yes. my fantasy team points, it's pretty <laughs> cool. The the seamlessness of I had the the app downloaded on my uh, my TV in my living room and I had the multicast up. I had four screens going on at once and I could click oh aim and corner oh featured group oh four five six, and it was it was awesome. The, the commentators, the analysts they had on there were great. Anyways, every major needs to just copy what they do. No, and I agree. I, I think having every shot taped and be able to go and watch every shot. And the other thing I thought was really cool is that you could create your own channel to where you could go and all of your favorite players, you could then stream and watch each one of their shots. I thought that's fantastic. You know what? Though? Like, you know, you say all the other majors, you know what? Good luck with that. You know why that happened? Because it's Augusta and it's the masters. Like I can't imagine the undertaking to make all that happen. It was uh, like, I said, I, I'd be curious to know, did it hurt the telecast? No, but you know, Thursday, like Thursday had a, I was slammed work-wise. So, I literally I didn't see a shot. I tried to watch it in my office, but it was it was distracting because I wasn't working, so I had to turn it off. But that night, I was going to watch the replay, and then I'm like, I just got on and like you said, Mike, yeah, just every guy I wanted to see. Oh, this guy did this. I looked at the leaderboard, and then just picked it that way. And I literally spent two hours just watching it through, and I saw every shot I wanted to see. You know, so I can't imagine what it what it takes to make that happen like right the the cloud whatever the hell the cloud is like the cloud is the cloud is now full from augusta we're gonna have to have the whole world's gonna have the another cloud thanks to augusta so anyways anybody got anything else i thought no i gotta give i gotta give one shout out real quick i didn't give him his due last week played a little bit of a game um eagle point golf club first assistant ryan alexander thanks for being a listener 
Uh, thanks for being a good sport with last week. Shout out again to the crowd out at Eagle Point, Brian, Billy, and the crew. Uh, appreciate you guys. Eagle Point, what's up? We'll uh, have E9 down. We'll come down. We'll do a show from there. Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, I'm sure they'd love to be a host. Yeah, I'm sure awesome. they'd love it. Are- all right gents that was fun uh we have harbor town this week i think um we're not doing our picks this week just because it's sunday night and i haven't had a chance to look at it and you know it's harbor town so let's we get the, the hangover after the hey, davis Love's gonna win davis love will win right davis love we got brian Harmon and his pants are gonna win it was a love yeah. pick brian Harmon or brian gay or Mac um Lee. all right uh to all of our listeners thank you we uh hey we actually hit record this week how about that it's two weeks in a row i'm on i'm on a roll so thank you for listening please share with your friends uh like subscribe download do all that fun stuff and we'll see you guys next week thanks later boys thanks guys